Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lalita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investors Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. Join us at the Virtual Asset Management Summit on June 21st through June 27th. It's a seven-day content-packed event for multifamily operators and asset managers with over 1,500 attendees and over 20 amazing speakers. You will hear from top experts about topics such as construction management, KPIs, refinancing, investor relations, the capital stack, disposition, and so much more. Go to www.amsummit2021.com to grab your free ticket to become the best-in-class operator. Discover the best asset management strategies all in one place. We hope to see you there at the Virtual Asset Management Summit. All right, time to get into our show. Today, we have Trevor Thompson here with us. Trevor, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Well, before we head into the interview, here's a little bit about Trevor. Trevor is a successful vice president with over 40 years of experience in the attractions and recreational entertainment industry. In fall of 2018, Trevor ventured into commercial real estate investing. Shortly after joining a local mentoring program, he became a limited partner in numerous syndicated deals, a total of nine deals to today's date. So talk about taking action. Can't wait to get into your real estate journey. So before we do, Trevor, can you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Yeah. So thanks to COVID, I got switched to full-time real estate. So I had a career that I loved. I have the weirdest beginning of anybody you'll ever interview. So I worked for Ripley's Believe It or Not. Then I worked for Guinness World of Records for 18 years, developed that concept And then I switched over to iFly indoor skydiving and spent over 20 years opening locations all over the world. So I've got a very, very unique background. Yes, you do. That's very awesome. I think you are the first to have that type of a (laughs) unique background. It sounds like you had fun in your previous careers. That's for sure. I did. It was amazing. Awesome. Well, appreciate you coming on. We're going to talk about this from a passive investor's perspective as we do once a month. And I always like to ask our passive investors to talk about their first passive investment. How did you find it? How's it performing? And also get into why you jumped into multifamily. Yes. So like everybody else, you know, 20 years ago, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and procrastinated on doing anything. And I started looking around for a mentoring program to join. And I found one that was in central Texas where I'm from. I'm from Austin. And so I joined that group. And my idea was that I wanted to join a group that was also actively investing so that I knew the people I was investing in and I had a relationship with them. Awesome. And then tell us about the first deal that you went into. 
Yeah, so the first deal I went into was 176 stores in San Antonio. It was a deep value add project, and it's currently actually up for sale a little quicker than normal. But that was the first one that I was able to be involved in. What about that deal? So stepping into your first passive investment in, in real estate is a big deal. It's a big step. And you're you're trusting someone a lot with that first investment because even though you've done some education, you're just not sure how it's going to go, right? And so what gave you the confidence to really go with that investment? You know, it was really the network that I was associated with. So I managed to get to know the general partners on a personal level, got to be able to talk with them, got to be able to talk with people that had done previous investments. And so it was just feeling part of a community made me feel a lot safer in doing this investing. Okay. And usually, you know, more people join mentorship programs on the active side. There's certainly those people who only invest passively who join mentorship programs too. But do you suggest whether you're going to be active or passive to join some type of mentorship program? And if you can elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think that you should join a mentorship program. The one that I joined is very focused on single family, which is a bit unique in our space, but they did have a small niche in commercial. And while I had no interest in single family, I thought that there was enough people that I connected with and felt good with in the commercial space. And again, mostly multifamily, but they offered a variety of deals, which also appealed to me. Okay. So now you've invested in nine deals. So you're now an expert in passive investing in commercial real estate. And so tell us what are some of the key things that you've learned through the process of investing in these nine different deals? I'm sure there are differences with each. Some are performing better than others. You know, sponsors communicate differently than others. What are some key things that you've learned through that process? Yeah. So I've definitely learned that going into deep value add and then running into a pandemic is much more challenging. I was actually very fortunate that I said I wanted to be able to do more with one of the particular investments. So for eight months last year, I actually was the active asset manager for the group. They were struggling trying to get some things happening. San Antonio is just a couple hours away. So I actually twice a week traveled there, took over everything. They actually removed the property management company. So we directly managed everything. And you want to talk about learning, go into 176 door, deep value add in the middle of a pandemic, you learn a lot. Yeah. Talk about some of the things that you did learn during that process. You know, I learned some of the things was that I was, I believed a little too much in the tenants. And then once the eviction moratorium people that we should have removed, we didn't. And then we got sort of stuck with them and couldn't do it. I also learned that creating a safe place, you know, obviously we took COVID very safely You know, we had eight residents that got COVID during the period and just making sure that, you know, everybody was treated well. Our team, you know, took all the precautions doing any of the work orders. You know, so it was a it was a really big learning. Plus, all of those people at home every day, the property takes a lot more wear and tear than you could imagine. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you're through nine investments now. How have you structured these investments to be diversified? Do you invest in different asset classes or are you investing in different geographies? How are you doing that? Yeah. So all the geography until one of my last deals was all in central Texas, but I tried to be diverse. So I'm in five multifamily units. So for a total of about 750 doors, I also did a retail strip center. Sadly, we closed on the deal three weeks before COVID hit. So it's been a real challenge 
actually consider ourselves lucky we haven't had to have a capital call. They've been able to keep it going. And once things recover, we're going to feel good. Then I did a lending as an LP on a particular project here in Austin, where we bought 28 townhomes and are converting them for sale into condos. So just getting to know the main GP partner with that, spending some time. He was very accommodating. He let me come down, watch the rehab they were doing of the units. I got to learn a lot. And then I've done a couple of ground up investments where I've just lent some cash to start some new projects. And then I just did my first A plus investment thinking, let's go to the other spectrum. And then actually with your guys, my first deal out of state was with you guys in Tucson, Arizona. So I'm excited to do that. Okay, that's awesome. And, you know, thank you for being an investor and your trust in us for sure. How do you decide how you diversify here? It sounds like you're going more different asset classes to get diversification. But what are your kind of overall thoughts behind that versus just going all into multifamily? Yeah, so I wanted to be able to be diverse so that I could understand definitely different asset classes. And I sort of have a strategy. It hasn't worked out 100%. It worked out a lot because I could be the asset manager, but I wanted to earn and learn. That was what I said to myself. If I'm going to invest in something, I want to learn. And all the good things, all the bad things, whatever I can, I want my money to work for me. And I also want my brain to work for me. So I'm one of those investors that, you know, talk a lot, visit a lot, talk with other investors within the group, just so I can learn as much as possible about all the different types of investing. Okay. And, you know, there's a lot of people in this space now. I think over the last four or five years, it's definitely blown up as far as syndication. And there are sponsors coming left and right out of the woodworks. How do you select your sponsors? How do you choose them? And how do you even find them? I mean, there's so many to filter through. Yeah. So I was super lucky that, again, most of my initial investments were through my current network that I had. And so I got to know a lot of those people. And then I did a couple of investments with people that they, it wasn't an investment through our syndicated group, but I got to meet them through the program and actually became friends with them to meet them. And then I've been spending a lot of time learning. And so again, I did your three week asset management course and I was so impressed when I left the course, I said, I'm going to invest in their next deal. And again, I did it because I was super impressed with the content super impressed with what I learned over those three weeks and the willingness to share. I thought I can learn a lot just by seeing a different sort of standard level of uh, general partnership team. And so I've got big hopes for you, Kyle. Oh, thank you. A lot of pressure, but I'm willing to take it on. So <laughs> I appreciate that. So what are you looking for overall in a sponsor? It sounds like trust is, is one of the things, but yes, I definitely want trust. And it's interesting enough. I say I want a track record. But then when I say that, I'm sort of sealing my own fate because I want to obviously syndicate my first deal and I won't have a track record. I'll try to partner with some people that do. But it was really a personal connection. So even on these webcasts, if there's somebody that is a presenter or somebody who talks and I find a connection with them, I'm very diligent in contacting them, setting up a one-on-one talk with them, getting to learn more about them. And so I'm constantly reaching out and networking and thinking, is this somebody I could feel comfortable with either partnering and or investing in their deal? 
Are you more looking just for the sponsor and the trust there? Or are you also looking a lot into the deal? I know a lot of people that just invest with a sponsor because they fully trust them. But how far do you look into the deal and then also a little bit further into the market? Yeah, so the deal has to definitely make sense. So for me, it's the relationship, the trust of the sponsor first. Secondly, it has to be that the deal makes sense. And I've watched just again, trying to teach myself, I've watched a million deal presentations. And I think to myself, well, why are they saying that? Or why are they doing that? Why are they predicting like in the middle of a pandemic, big rent increases year one? And so you get quickly disqualified if it doesn't make sense, even if I feel attached to you. And then also just sort of the splits and the arrangement of the deal. You know, when you see a lot of new deal sponsors and they're wanting a 70-30 split and it's their first deal, it just it doesn't sound right to me. It doesn't fit right with me. You know, there was another new sponsor. I went to the deal and after they reached the threshold, it went to a 50-50 split. And I said, that's not fair. So I really do look for a fair and believable deal. And clearly I look for a strong market too, which is why I've invested in Texas and now Arizona. Everybody knows their, their strong markets. Yep. When you're on the active side in underwriting deals, they say it takes anywhere between 100 to 250 deals to get the right one. I'm curious, how many deals do you look at from a passive investor side till you invest in one? And, you know, how many deals do you try and see? I'm trying to figure out if you, you know, if it's a minimal amount or if you're looking at 50, 60, 70 deals to invest in that one. I want to know how much time you're putting into it. Yeah, so I'm probably looking at a dozen a week. I'm really trying to find something off market. So I've done letter writing campaign, cold call campaigning. I've got a couple of young and hungry brokers that are looking for a direct deal that's not already listed. Because sadly, a lot of the deals that are listed in the market I'm looking for still don't pencil out and quickly make sense because everybody's still trying to get top dollar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you're going to make the jump from passive to active, which I think a lot of people are doing now, but I think it's funny. My ultimate goal is to go from active to passive so I can create that passive income. So why do you think that is? There's, It's kind of a hot thing right now where you're going from passive to active, but I think a lot of people don't know how much work it really takes. You obviously do because you're putting in the work right now, but it's easier said than done. Yeah. So to me, I look at it as, you know, I always looked that this would be my final career, and I didn't think of my final career just sitting back collecting mailbox money, although I would like to do that. I've sort of allocated that 50% of my cash will continue to be invested passively, and 50% of it will be invested actively. So I've held back some for that. And the reason to go active is I think I could do a good job, and I really think from what I've learned I will be somebody that will give good value to their investors. And I would get a lot of real satisfaction out of doing a good job. It's a personal thing for me. I'm the A-plus personality that likes to make everybody happy. And, you know, whether I can or not, still to be determined. But I think I feel very strongly that that will bring me way more satisfaction than just a good return on my money. Yep. Okay. You talked a little bit about some of your investments and how they performed during COVID, like the retail, but overall, how they performed. And have you learned anything that has maybe made you want to maybe pivot the asset class that you're going to go into? How do you think multifamily is going to do over the next couple of years? Yeah, so I'm very bullish on multifamily, but I did make a switch. So, you know, everything I was invested in before was C minus, trying to bring it up to a C plus, really deep value add 
you know, chasing drug dealers off and that type of stuff. And so the last few investments I've made have been either B or A plus. I last investment was an A plus property and then two ground up developments. And those are townhomes. And so again, I definitely decided that for now anyways, to go into more stable assets versus the, you know, there are a lot of big gains in the, in the C minus to C plus, but it's a little riskier right now. Yep, certainly is. Do you have any other advice for investors out there looking to invest passively in their first deal? You know, spend a lot of time talking to people, you know, ask smart, hard questions. You know, at the very first few deals, I'll be honest, I was a little bit shy and didn't answer, ask some questions. And now that I'm a little more confident thinking, I've learned enough now to ask the right questions before they were, you know, just everyone says there's no dumb question, but I thought my questions were dumb at the beginning. And now with a little bit more self-education, I feel like I can ask the really quality questions and I can really analyze their plan for, you know, pushing up the NOI on their property. Do you have any example of those questions that you would ask? Maybe a couple. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it'd be great if you could share any that you would. Yeah, well, just just questioning, for example, I went to a deal and I talked with the sponsor after the deal. And, you know, I just thought they left a lot on the table. So they were going to renovate a property. They were going to put in washer and dryers, but they left the chance to lease the washer and dryers to the tenants off the table. And I thought, why are you spending, you know, several thousand dollars to add the plumbing and then not just saying that's going to get me 50 or 60 bucks more rent? Why aren't you changing the plumbing for the 50 or six dollars and then trying to get another twenty five dollars for renting the washer and dryer? Because that's that's an easy add on, you know, So, <laughs> but I wouldn't have known that if I was, you know, didn't have a little more knowledge to think that you can actually make money leasing washer and dryers inside of the property. Yeah, that's a great point. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Excellent. All right, Trevor. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? You know, I think right now the one tool is being able to connect with everybody on Zoom. It sounds really strange, but you know, I've really built some good relationships by reaching out to people after networking events and, and being able to talk to them. And I love Zoom because it's the closest thing to in-person. Can you tell us a story about one of your biggest mistakes in real estate investing and the main takeaway for our listeners? Yeah. So my biggest mistake was, I guess, putting blind trust in somebody. I did not check out. And then I found out some things after the fact when I talked to other people that got in a similar position. So finding out from other people that have been with an investor, making sure that you connect with everybody, not just the people that are saying good things about them. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life? How many times have you thought there has to be a better way while working through endless rent rolls and historicals? Enter Red IQ, who'll process and standardize them generate deep and accurate property insights, and bring you through the final underwriting all in just five minutes. As for underwriting, thanks to Red IQ's new Excel add-in called QuickSync, you can continue using your own model and instantaneously populate it with the data from Red IQ with just the click of a button. Request a demo today at RedIQ.com. To the next level. 
you know, so obviously finding the right deal is the best, but improving my underwriting, I really only competent enough to do a back of a napkin. And luckily I have a partner who does it uh, more diligent, but you know, he's limited by time. And so I need to do a better job at being able to underwrite a deal. Perfect. And finally, Trevor, where can people find out more about you? You know, so I'm, I'm not as active. I don't have like a website or anything. So LinkedIn and Facebook, and I'm very active of both of those. I think I click and like everything Kyle says. So <laughs> you can just see this crazy guy, K. Trevor Thompson, that <laughs> likes everything Kyle and Gary say. But, you know, I enjoy the content. So I think it's important to click that like to show that I do. Great. Well, impressive journey so far and can't wait to follow the rest of your accomplishments. So thanks for your time today and for being on our show. Thank you. It was awesome to be here. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Trevor. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.